All right, welcome everybody back to the PHLY Sixers podcast. I'm Derek Botner, joined by a new co-host this time here, <laughs> Kyle Newbeck. How you doing, buddy? I was going to say, I feel like I haven't been in the been office in like a hundred years. It's it wild. has been nice to spend the last two podcasts talking with anyone other than you. Oh, and that's no, 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 not very nice. I'm not even going that way. Um, but, you know, I think when we sort of like laid out this podcast, we'd have Devon here to be sort of like an everyday. You and I would be around the team going to games a lot, especially home games, mixing me, you, and Rich. And there'd be a little bit of a rotation going on because I think there's some value in having you know, a wide variety of voices, especially on a daily podcast. So it was great to get Renee's perspective on the team. It was great to get our friend Roy Burton's perspective on the team, another old LB colleague. But now you sort of have like the two core two here back to sort of get you caught up before what is undoubtedly the biggest game of the season here tomorrow. The core two core before for eventually until, until Devon gets We here. have a big three. Yeah. I also, I wanted to say, since you brought them up, a shout out to Renee and Roy for yeah. stepping into the co-host chair. You know, it was, they did us big favors and I thought added a lot to the show. So thank you once again to them. Thank you as always to all our wonderful people that are here to start the show. I see Dan, Spider, TR, some other people, Chris. And, you know, we have... A good Sixers team to talk about. I think I've alluded to it on the show, and we're going to get into a Sixers-Celtics preview later, that it could all come crashing down in short order tomorrow night. But for now, we're going to ride the good vibes. We're going to have a good time, and we're going to see where the chips fall when they play a real team, a real contender in Boston. It really does feel like there's a lot riding on the game tomorrow, and we'll get to that a little bit here later on in the show. But if they win and go to 6-1... and one, I'm sure nobody will jump the gun at all. We are famously, you know, cautious here in Philadelphia. But if they lose, it's going to be a lot of people being like, see, I told you. I told I told you you couldn't be a good team. I told you they're losing the second round. And it's probably going to be two different p- portions of the fan base. But each one will sort of like puff their chest and be vocal regardless of which way it goes. It will be good to talk about. And I'm just really excited to see them against a what's really a world, world-class team right now, like best in the league type shit. I know they lost last night, but coming into that, I think they were number two in defense and number one in offense with like a plus 22 net rating or something absurd. So it will be great to uh, get that. We already have a super chat in the opening segment from Brandon from NJ, who I recognize from Twitter, who says, is Tony Brothers still a war criminal? Which is... Something I've said and I believe repeated. I love I love the fact that there's people willing to spend two dollars just so more people can see his hatred tro- towards Tony yes, Brothers. Yes, I, I, love I that. cannot stand Tony Brothers and Tony Brothers' style of officiating. Obviously, we're not quite sure yet who will officiate the Sixers yeah. Celtics game, but I'm hoping that the war criminal stays far away from Wells Fargo Center. I Thankfully avoided the pool reporter assignment for tomorrow night. <laughs> I copped to the guy who reached out and asked me and said, tomorrow is actually my birthday. And that is not a lie. I'm telling the truth. So six or Celtics is technically a birthday celebration for me as well. And I got out of pool reporter duties as a result. I thought that was uh, one of my savvier moves with PR people. I have life. never, and this is a, like almost a career achievement. I have never been even been asked to be the pool reporter. If you now annoy, that part I don't think is an achievement. I don't know. I love that. If you annoy the right people, they don't give you that responsibility. And apparently, I have been antagonistic towards the right group. I suppose so. The league. Tr- <laughs> it's funny that actually, to me, that the NBA trusts me enough to be a pool reporter, despite yeah. the fact that I'm on record as saying that Tony Brothers is a war criminal. <laughs> so that's that's a fun little twist. Uh, before we get too deep in the Sixers Celtics, Derek, I, you and I wanted to talk about a new list that came out today. It is the headline of our show. Tyrese Maxey was included in ESPN's latest 25 under 25 list. I guess for anyone who hasn't seen these type of lists before, it tends to be a combination of current production, but certainly future upside factored in. Mm -hmm. So Anyone beyond the top, top tier guys, so the Lucas, the Anthony Edwards type players, they judge them pretty significantly on what they're going to do rather than what they've done. I would say it seems like this list pretty heavily slants towards what you have already done. Uh, Even going through the top 10, not just the top couple, it seems like there was a pretty heavy 
reward for those types uh, because I think there are some people right now who you look at and you say they're really good now, but how much better will they become? Yeah. Probably factor into some of the Tyrese Maxey discussion that we have, but it does seem like they prioritize. And maybe that's just because once you get outside the first three or four, there aren't all that many surefire. This guy might actually be a franchise player. Maybe that factors into it. But uh, yeah, I was a little surprised. I was a little surprised. Yeah. So I'm going to just quick run through for anyone who has not seen the list yet, the top 10. And then I'll tell you exactly where Tyrese Maxey is. Spoiler alert, it's not far behind the top 10. So at one, Luca. At two, Anthony Edwards. Then the first surprise, although maybe not really, Victor Wembanyama at three. Maybe we'll get to that at some point, Derek. Tyrese Halliburton at four. Ja Moran at five. Cade Cunningham at six. Zion at seven. Darius Garland at eight. LaMelo Ball at nine. And I want to yell about that a little bit. Jaron Jackson at 10 and friend of the program, or at least associate of the program in some ways, someone we deal with every day, Tyrese Maxey, I guess. What was your initial reaction to Tyrese at 11, Derek? Yeah, it, it, you know, on the one hand, it's, it's like, I feel like the first six or seven, like Zion is seven and that's crazy to think about. First of all, it's crazy to think that he's only 23. It feels like he's older than that because he's been injured and in the league and injured for so long. Uh, but him falling seven shows you one how much uncertainty there is around him and his future, and two how, how what, like what the talent pool is um, ahead of him. There's a lot of really good players there, so I think when you look at Tyrese only being number eleven, it's probably a little bit surprising. But there's a lot of pretty good young talent. I think it'll be interesting to watch. You know, when you have like a direct comparison like Darius Garland, how that will shake out over the years. You know, I think there's some people right now, uh, and this factors in a little bit to the person immediately behind him in Evan Mobley at twelve. I think there's a lot of people who are going to have more scrutiny applied towards some of those Cavs players and maybe they have in the years past. Uh, that first round exit put them under the microscope a little bit. You know, but I think you can make a case for Maxi really anywhere eight below. Um, and I think there's reasonable arguments to be made. I know the one you're going to really take issue with. You mentioned it there earlier. Uh, LaMelo, hard to argue. You have to actually be on the court to be valuable to your team. He's missed a lot of time. Even when he's been on the court, he's been a very flawed offensive player. I agree with you there, but I will sort of give you the floor because I know you want to, that's the one that you really want to pick apart. (laughs) So here's all I'm really going to say about it. At what point does actually producing at the NBA level matter, right? I actually think there's another guy who I don't even like generally who has a bigger grievance in this list. Tyler Hero got listed at 22, the guy's averaging 26 points a game this year. Like, I don't love Tyler Hero as a building block player, but he's been a playoff performer or at least a, a high-level performer in the regular season and in some playoff settings, whereas guys like LaMelo or Cade Cunningham are guys that have, one, not been healthy, two, haven't, been, haven't produced when they've been healthy, and all these excuses get made for, well, this environment and this and the upside and all that. It's like, yeah, I, I can buy that with somebody like Wemby who came in and played well right away. And the whole thing is projection, projection, projection. These guys have been in the league for three years and they haven't won fucking dick. Like Lamelo ball is shooting 34% from the field this year. I understand really high volume on threes relative yeah. to the rest of his shots, but He's never been a good finisher at the rim. He's a very creative playmaker and a good highlight guy. I will give him that. But at a certain point, these guys are going to have to produce winning basketball to me for them to be ranked above guys like, look, Tyrese got dropped into a much better environment. If you put LaMelo Ball next to Joel Embiid, I'm sure he would look better than he has being essentially just the guy in Charlotte. But Real production in the NBA matters. You can't just like give these guys an unlimited runway and, oh, yeah, that's it's all potential. Well, the potential has to actually show up at some point. I would even say, like, I don't dislike Cade Cunningham, for example. But at one point, does that guy need – it's like, oh, he's in a poor environment, bad spacing. It's like the guy was drafted number one overall because of his shot-making profile, right? Like, I don't think he's like a – Chris Paul level playmaker or like a true point guard. It was somebody who could blend those responsibilities. Well, he hasn't had a single good shooting season yet. He missed basically all of last year, his rookie season. He played 64 games. He shoots 31% from three, 41.6% from the field. He has essentially shot the exact same field goal percentage 
every single year in the league since he entered it. The special shot maker has to actually show up eventually for me to give him credit for future upside and, oh, this guy's going to be a, a guard you build a team around. So it's not to say that Tyrese has more upside than these guys, but Tyrese has actually done something in the league, like accomplished something of note and has made meaningful improvements every single year, while a lot of these guys are no better than they were when they left college. Yeah, I mean, it's such a wild comparison with Charlotte or with LaMelo because Charlotte is such a polar opposite of, and <laughs> Kelly brought this up. He's like, man, it's a, it's great to come to a normal franchise or something like that in a preseason. You're like, <laughs> we were like, what the like, hell? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? But when you, when you're coming from Charlotte, like that's a fair sentiment because I mean, that's just, that's that they've never had a direction and he's never really had a teammate to build around. Uh, you know, the Hornets were six points per 100 better um, offensively with LaMelo on the floor last year. His loss was big for them. He certainly like that kind of a playmaker would be better if he had talent who was Guys to play make being too. set up. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so he's a tough one, but to your point, like at some point you do have to be an efficient offensive player to really be the impact player. Some are projecting. Um, I can certainly see the argument that his progress was cut short because he got injured last year in that way, but it's, it's a, it's a tough sell for sure. Uh, and Tyrese is also interesting. Like if he was put in like a situation like Charlotte, where he had to maybe do more than you would want, uh, especially early on in his career, would that paint how we view him? Uh, would we view him as more of a gunner maybe? Whereas here he gets to play off Joel Embiid, become a a, a real two-man tandem. Um, you know, I think, like I said, you can make a case for Tyrese to be upwards of eight. It's interesting to track sort of, you know, basketball reference has an MVP tracker. Uh, I think Tyrese Maxey right now is fourth on that list behind Jokic, Embiid, and Doncic. So he's getting a lot of accolades, not accolades so much, but his statistically, he is is in the top 10 of the league right now. And we're arguing about whether he should be in the top 10 under 25. But I think part of that is, you know, like I said, some players, I think there's a view that they have a lot of upside. Some players, there's a situation where they wouldn't be in the right spot. Um, and there's just a lot of really good young talent. Uh, I don't really ever pay too much attention to these lists because it's mostly content fodder. I care much more about what that's you what we are though, baby. We're a sure. content machine, but I also just don't get like enraged by him all that much. I care much more about like what you wrote about last night, which is the two man game of Maxi and Embiid and how that is developing and how, you know, Embiid saw what was working and had them really go at it in the third quarter and go back and back and back until they were able to stop it. Uh, that is, I think the more interesting aspect of sports, but it's a, it's a fascinating debate because Maxi as a young player being able to show out early in his career, most of these high level young players aren't going to be on good teams. Even when you start looking at like Cade Cunningham, even Doncic, although he's had so many iterations, there's so much flawed, like coming into a spot with Embiid was probably good for how we perceive Tyrese and good for how he wants to play and excel in, in the role that he's capable of. Yeah. And look, not every guy also is capable of adjusting to being in a role after being either the guy or one of two guys on every team they've ever played for in their life, right? Like it's a conversation you and I have had 15 to 20 times probably already about someone like Kelly Oubre, like a guy who could not adjust to a system and now finally has within Nick Nurse's system. And that's a struggle that a lot of these guys deal with. OG Ananobi, another guy we've talked about quite a bit over the last you know week, week and a half, Derek, that he probably wants to be closer to a number two when his talent says, you know, you might be, number four. So I think what impresses me with Tyrese the most that I want to close this segment and maybe we'll still talk about it on the other side is that I think he deserves a lot of credit for finding ways to succeed in basically every context that he's been put in for the Sixers, right? Where yep. he dealt with the Ben situation. So he's playing off of Ben or he's a six man in his rookie year. Then Ben decides to hold out. Tyrese is in some ways running the team learning that on the fly, sharing that responsibility with Seth Curry. James Harden joins the team mid-season 2022, and Tyrese excels as an off-ball, catch-and-shoot type guy, attacking closeouts, doing all that. Certainly twenty hits the 20-point-per-game mark last year as an off-guard playing off of James. And then you and I spend all off-season, as a lot of other people did, saying, hey, can this guy play make for others and do this and do that? And... He is one of the league leaders in assist-to-turnover ratio right now. Like mm -hmm. It's not a him protecting the ball, Doug Collins-style offense. He's got 44 assists, I think, in 
six games against just seven turnovers. Yep. And he's now dispelling all the notions that we've said that are negative in terms of offense for him. So I think he's, it's less about tearing down other guys in their bad situations than it is about trying to compliment Tyrese for finding ways to get better and to fit into any team context that he's been put into. I think that's really hard and he's make, made it look easier than it actually is. Yeah, and I wonder if we went and talked to the ESPN colleagues who put this together, like how much of this was done before the season, how much they're factoring in oh, five yeah. or six games to those results because Tyrese has taken a pretty massive jump. Uh, you know, like we talked about when we were predicting uh, before the season, had a preseason predictions, I took the over on six assists, which not to pat myself on the back, although you like to do that with your Memphis prediction. He's at 7.3 right now, uh, and it's just the fact that, yeah, he might not have the most natural court vision, but the speed that he has coming off of the pick and roll and the way he's going to force a defense to react, he's going to have opportunities. Is he making the most out of every one of them? No, not yet, but he's making, you know, he's getting something out of more of them and more of those passing lanes and finding ways to put his speed and his scoring instincts to put pressure on the other team and create shots. He is, the leaps he makes every single year offensively are staggering. And like, if we start talking about maybe being a top 20 player, then you need him to be a little more of a two-way player, but his year over year leap offensively is as big and as consistent as any player I've really watched. And that includes Joel Embiid. It's incredible. Staggering. So let, let's hold that thought for one second. This might be one of the proudest moments of my life, Derek, to say that we have a new sponsor, Pennsylvania dairy farmers and team chocolate milk. Yes, mom, I made it. I'm sponsored by team chocolate milk. I can't believe it. Childhood Kyle would have been so proud of this. But guys, look, professional and college athletes have known about the power of chocolate milk as a refuel and recovery beverage for a long time. And chocolate milk provides high-quality protein for muscle repair, electrolytes for hydration, and calcium for strong bones. I mean, I can personally tell you I've come from basketball, soccer tournaments over the years. I'm certainly far removed from my playing days these days when chocolate milk really hit the spot after a, a couple of games during the day so shout out to chocolate milk and that this is all why studies consistently show that chocolate milk's an ideal sports recovery beverage so whether you're recovering after a workout at the gym a run around boathouse row or a bike ride on the schuylkill trail chocolate milk's an ideal post-workout beverage taking care of your body doesn't end when the clock hits zero on your workout routine so give your body what it needs to properly recover so what could be better than a scientifically proven recovery beverage made right here in Pennsylvania that also tastes great? Gotta love that tastes great for the recovery beverage because I've had some that don't taste as great as chocolate milk. We'll put it that way. So learn more about how chocolate milk can help you refuel and recover after your next workout by visiting teamchocolatemilk.com. Also want to tell you about Hero Bread. You know, we have a lot of shows in the middle of the day. We have practice in the middle of the day. I find myself, I'm constantly on the road. When I'm on the road, I tend to eat like shit a lot, a lot of fast food. Oh, wow. We can curse in the ad reads now. That opens up all kinds of new opportunities. We're getting the ad read. But I'm trying to get back into the habit of maybe making my food before I leave the house so I eat a little bit better. A big part of that is going to be the bread that you use. Uh, Like I've mentioned in the past, I really have for the last couple of years, I've tried to use a store brand low-carb bread to cut down on some of the uh, you know sugar intake and whatnot. Recently, I have transitioned to Hero, Bre- Hero Bread, and I, I truthfully do prefer it. I eat it almost every day at this point. It's just a better fit for my dietary goals, uh, and they offer sliced bread, tortillas, burger and hot dog buns, and more delivered directly to your door. So it's incredible. Incredible taste. Uh, it's, it's convenient all around. It's a great product. Enjoy the taste without the guilt. The bread is fluffy, delicious, and flavorful, high in fiber and low on net carbs with fewer calories than the leading national brand and 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. And you can either place a one-off order or set up a subscription so you can get Hero Bread delivered to your door every two weeks, every month, or whatever you need to make sure that you're stocked up and ready to go. Right now, Hero Bread is offering the PHLY fam 10% off of their first order. Just go to Hero.co and use our code PHLY to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C-O to save 10% today. I would love, I'm going to go home today, have a nice big glass of chocolate milk and have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on there you go. some hero bread and really just hit the all the sponsors in one shot. Yep. No, I mean, you. you I, I really mean it. Like you put me in a car for a couple hours a day and I eat like junk. So I got to get back I mean, look, that. you're commuting longer than I am, so I don't have as much of an excuse, but when you're 
bouncing around. Yep. It's, it just happens. So uh, do we want to put a bow on the Tyrese thing or the top 25 conversation anyway? Yeah, or? I like. I, I would probably say he should be in the top 10. Uh, I don't wouldn't it would be real tough for me to put him in top six or seven but outside of that i can see arguments either way um and really i just like just you probably hit it on that like you said it correctly just give him his credit for his his yeah. improvement um that's really what i think is more important than necessarily the ranking but his year i mean he he's taken every reasonable expectation and blown right past it for like the third year in a row and it's wild it's yeah. wild. so i want to use that as a launch point derek to talk about something I wrote about today, but also that we discussed on the show last night in a few different ways. You and Roy talked about it. And I certainly mentioned it. The synergy between Tyrese and Joel, I think has been so far ahead of where we probably could have expected it to start the year. And I, I want to see if you are with me on this. I'm seeing Joel get shots that I don't think James could create just because James was left-handed where Joel, they, when they clear out that side of the floor and run an empty corner pick and roll with James and Joel on the left side of the floor, it's James going left and Joel in the middle. And in some ways that makes it easier for the low man to kind of wall him off where it's a shorter run from Mm -hmm. the corner to pinch in and help out the big man in a pick and roll. Whereas now Tyrese going right, and you have Joel coming from the angle on the left side. If you he gets behind the big man there, he can essentially finish over any help that is coming, and he also probably has a better vision and a better passing angle to hit a guy in the opposite corner if it's a short roll and it's like, hey, they overloaded this side. Let me just kick it out to the corner. Yeah, And so maybe this is not as good as the James – and Joel pick and roll, but I think it has the potential to be better because of how you can configure the floor around these two guys. Well, and also it's just Tyrese puts so much more pressure coming off of a pick and roll at this stage of his career because he's so much quicker to get into it. And I don't even just mean the sheer speed that he has, but the fact that he attacks quickly, whereas James like to likes to probe a little bit. And that speed and forcing the defense to make a decision quickly, especially when you have like an empty side, empty strong side pick and roll is like, if that big has to react quickly and makes a, an incorrect decision quickly, then your, your backline defense needs to be on point. And I don't know if you noticed, but Charlotte's was not on point. They were all Charlotte. You mean Charlotte. Washington. Yes, Washington. We're thinking of bad no, teams. No, we're, so we're, we're going it. back. Uh, Washington's <laughs> last night was awful. Like there were a number of times they didn't even rotate. There was no help coming. Their communication was not non-existent. Um, but when you put that kind of pressure on a defense and you get them in a spot where they can make mistakes, it is, I mean, Tyrese is, he's finding the right balance. Uh, and I know Nick has talked about that recently. Daryl has talked about that recently on the rights for Key Sanchez, where, you know, there's still a little bit of a give and take where Tyrese has to sort of learn how to find that balance. But honestly, I think he's done a better job with it than I expected and how much growth he has had in his shooting and his, his pull-up game over the years. And if he now has this big man rolling to the rim uh, and they form that kind of chemistry, there's going to be a lot of teams that aren't going to know how to take that away. Uh, and it is, and now you've got enough spot up shooters and off ball players where there's a well-spaced floor uh, and it has been fun to watch. Yeah. And look, you and I are not sitting here ready to take a victory lap over the Sixers beating up on the wizards. No, basically everybody except for the Memphis Grizzlies has beat up on them this season. I think what really impressed me the most though about that game is they identified something in the first half. Joel goes up to Nick Nurse and says, we need to keep running this play. And to open the second half, they came out and just ran that play until Washington was basically done. Had to change their coverage, ends up being down by 15 to 20 points coming out of the a timeout in the third quarter. Went to a cowardly zone at one point. Went to a zone that, by the way, I thought their zone offense was really good in the third quarter when they went to that. Joel looks a lot more comfortable there. Certainly helps to have shooters all around the floor around him. But to see Tyrese and Joel beat that coverage so bad that they had to change it. And then when they started icing Tyrese before the screen would even get there, and then Tyrese just goes right by Tyus Jones and Gafford for a layup. That's the next step for him, right? It's like it's a shame. You know how you have like the the too small hand gesture 
it's a shame that you can't find a way to mock, like make fun of someone about them being slow. Like it's a little harder <laughs> to do that when you're running back after scoring, but Tyrese, I feel like could have fun with that. We'll have to, we might have to workshop that and see if we can innovate right. on the, uh, the celebration front. But yeah, like to do, to win with plan A, we've seen Tyrese and Joel do that a lot, right? And certainly under Doc Rivers, I'm not worried about, hey, we have our best plays, our pet plays, and we're going to win with those. But when teams change up what they're doing, even bad teams like the Wizards, for Tyrese and Joel to correctly identify that stuff on the fly and figure out, okay, this is how I have to attack it. I'm no longer the setup guy. I got to go get mine. That is the growth that we need to see from Tyrese as the lead guard, as the point guard, to put him in that spot to say, these are all your reads. We're not going to run a whole lot of offense. We're going to run the same play over and over again. And it's up to you, play to play, possession to possession, to figure that out. That's what playoff basketball is all about. So to see him problem solving and doing that in real time is awesome. And I think that bodes really well for, you know, the months and months and seasons to come. And even just like, you know, they had a player really early in the game. They're down like 13, eight, they need some kind of stabilization and, and B draws a double team and Maxi just casually drains the catch and shoot three, just having a point guard who is confident in doing that and willing to do that. And isn't going to, you know, pump fake jab step, pull the ball out, waste 13 seconds. Like it's nice to get into early offense with this group. And it's nice to have easy stuff. And when Joe draws a double team to actually take advantage of it. And look, Harden is a a fantastic passer. Uh, We've been pretty consistent on that. We both thought he was a top 25, top 30 player last year, but there is definitely just a little bit more by empowering Maxi, just a few more ways that they can beat a team than maybe they had last year. Uh, And again, that team they played last night, is awful defensively, <laughs> like truly mind-bogglingly. Not just defensively, either. Awful. And we joked last night that they may well have been the Washington Generals because that's the way they play defense. It's going to be much more revealing t- uh, tomorrow night. But all early indications and the way Tyrese has made a jump and the way Tyrese can beat you in multiple different ways, it has been just thrilling to watch. Yeah, really, and- really thrilling. I'm not sitting here telling you this team is a contender, right? They have a long way to go to prove that they're even a contender, like a a team that can be good enough to pretend to be a contender. But the early signs have been so good. Joel has been in such good form. Tyrese has taken the necessary steps forward that it's hard not to be excited about this team right now. And look, there is still an undercurrent of fans that are out there saying, I don't care unless they do it in the second round of the playoffs. And I get it. You've been burned by this team. We were sitting here after game five last season, like, oh my God, this is the moment only for it all to come crashing down. But I really hope that people out there are seeing the changes that Nick has made, seeing the progress that Tyrese has made, seeing somebody like Nick Batum walk into the team, immediately make an impact, play intelligent floor spacing basketball, basically having not even looked at the playbook because he's away dealing with personal stuff. Everything is just such good vibes. Like there's just so many good vibes around the team right now that if you're not having fun watching this team, then I just don't know why you watch basketball at all. Like this is, this is what you hope for after a, a tumultuous off season, you trade hard and you bring in new guys. This is everything you could hope for to start the year. And then we're going to see them size up against a contender tomorrow night. And it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Yeah. And by the way, speaking of tomorrow night, we have a ticket giveaway here. Uh, go to the PHLY underscore Sixers account. You can get in on that. I'm not entirely sure when we're going to uh, pick and announce the winners for that. But there are two tickets, two club box seats up for grab, including parking in that. So go check that out. And that including parking is it's a big always deal, a big deal yeah. down there. Um, no, it's, it's, I mean, there's only so much you can talk about when I feel like everyone is really geared up for tomorrow night's game. So that will be great to watch. Yeah. So we'll get into some minutia on that front in a second. But if you're not able to win that giveaway and get there on, on the PHLY Don Do you have another night, idea on how they can get there? I do have an idea of how you can get down to that game by using the Game Time app. Guys, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. And it especially shouldn't be stressful when tomorrow night, a game against the Celtics, that's we should all be getting fired up for that game, right? There's going to be good energy in the building. It's the first real test the Sixers are getting. 
this season. And the Game Time app is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for that Celtics game, but also for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Got killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, so you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hype for all the fun you'll have. You don't have to plan months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the Game Time guarantee means you always get the best price. So if you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. As I say every time, I think that's incredible. As is getting images of your seat before you buy because you can know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And I think that's, that's worth using the app all by itself. So you can snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And since you already brought up our, our ticket giveaway, Derek, I'm just going to do a a quick plug here for our Die Hard program. You know, I know Derek has been pumping out some more Die Hard articles over the last couple of weeks. As you can see on the screen, if you're watching on YouTube, you get a free shirt with every Die Hard subscription. That's every single year, if I remember correctly. You get yeah. a free shirt a year. You get discounts to all future events. We're probably going to be... There's exclusive Die Hard merchandise. There's apparently another hoodie that's available only for Die Hards that I'm going to have to find a way to get our, our hands on because we are the hoodie I was going to say, we're the hoodie gang. Yep. I wore my hoodie today because Ronald's been giving me grief in the comments about two, not two wearing... podcasts in a row that you weren't on a hoodie. Not wearing hoodies. Look, I got to be presentable when I'm at the games. And uh, Andrew's motioning at me right now. I don't know what's going on back there. <laughs> hmm? No. Huh? Right. Pulling up another graphic? Anyway. Oh, oh there's okay. the ticket yeah, giveaway. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, now there's a... Obviously, go to PHLY underscore Sixers and you can... Get all your instructions you need to enter our giveaway. On the diehard front also, Derek and I have been very active in our Discord, which that's a, a big part of, of the diehard program. We if interact with all. If you enjoy Kyle dunking on me multiple times a day, <laughs> you want to be in the Discord. Yep. I know a lot of the, all the writers, reporters, personalities here interact with the wonderful people in our Discord. So another reason to sign up for diehard if you have not already. Anyway, I think it's probably time now, Derek, to get the Sixers Celtics. And no, you're rolling your eyes over there. We can talk about the matchup and then I'll make oh, you wear okay. a goofy okay. hat. How about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So I guess where do you start with if they're going to lose or if they're going to win on Wednesday? Night, let's do this <laughs> on a positive front. What does that look like? Where does that start <laughs> for the Sixers? I mean, it, it starts with that two man game. And honestly, in terms of a, a you know, evaluation that is by far the most um, intriguing aspect of this matchup. You know, Boston has so many players that can switch so many good perimeter defenders. How does Tyrese, you know, succeed against that group? Uh, that's really what I want to watch. But if the Sixers win, it's going to be because they're able to succeed against that group. Uh, and Tyrese is able to find his offense. Joel is able to press his advantage inside. Uh, it probably doesn't take a rocket scientist to say that if the Sixers beat a good team, Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey have to have a pretty good game, but that certainly is where we're at. And I mean, every individual game in the NBA comes down to one thing primarily, or at least very heavily. Do you make your open shots? Yeah. I Especially mean, on a team with Joel Embiid, like he's going to create some shots on a perimeter. You got to knock him down. Uh, do the Sixers make more open shots than the Celtics? If they don't, it's going to be tough to win. We certainly saw what happens when you miss shots in game six in the playoffs last yes. year where... I don't think the Celtics played well in that game no. outside of, you know, they played marginally better than the Sixers and the Sixers for most of that game had them on the ropes. Yeah. So as simplistic as it is, making shots always critical, uh, building off of the, the Tyrese points we've been making this entire podcast, obviously one of the big keys will be, can he beat the Drew holiday matchup? Mm -hmm. That's, not a friendly matchup for Tyrese. Drew is one of the best one-on-one -on -one defenders or has been one of the best one-on-one -on -one defenders in the entire league uh, on guards specifically. And Derek White, I believe, yep. missed last night's game. I'm not sure if he's expected to play, but certainly if Derek White is available, having that one-two punch of Holiday and White 
to send after Tyrese is going to make life miserable for him. And no, I mean, our top four perimeter defenders are really sick. Like that's just, just a really sick group. Yeah. They're, they're really, there's no like, Hey, let's, let's run a pick and roll and then try to get a switch and pick on the weak defender. There's just no weak defender. It's wild. Do we want to acknowledge the fact that there's a YouTube commenter named 97.5, the fanatic <laughs> praising our coverage, or do you want to just leave that one alone? I think we can leave that there. So, there. yeah, I, I mean, between that one, two punch, and then certainly the two wings and Tatum and Brown, I think there's, there's a whole lot to throw at someone like Tyrese. And so this is kind of a rubber meets the road moment for me, where one of my big concerns is the lack of shot creation outside of Tyrese. Yeah. And we've seen that borne out with DeAnthony Melton running second yep. units and how he struggled overall to start the season. And I wonder, and I said this on the post-game show Monday night, I wonder if the conversation is going to change about who the Sixers might trade for, who they might need after this game. If Tyrese comes out and plays well and it's it's a tight game, I, I could still see it being, you know, Ananobi Nation around here. If Tyrese gets put in jail by Drew Holiday, then we could be having a very different discussion. It is interesting. Um, you know, Woj, whenever he talks about the next steps for the Sixers, he mentions them going after a guard. Not like a perimeter player, not a wing, just a guard. And it's interesting how locked in he is on that. Certainly, I think, you know, you need as much ball handling and shot creation as you can get. That doesn't necessarily need to be a guard. That could be a Paul George-esque wing. But it is a, you know, if they had more players who, and this maybe not might not be the matchup because it's not like you can, like I said, not like, there's not a, a weak defender to pick on. But when you go up against these high-level teams, they're going to try to take away your strengths. Right now, the Sixers' only real strength on the perimeter in terms of ball handling and shot creation is Tyrese. It would just be great to have more depth there. I do think um, Boston can exploit the Sixers' weaknesses in that regard. And this might be one of those games where it could be a high turnover affair just because they're going to try to make, you know, Batum beat him off the dribble. And Batum's nice. You like him as a secondary kind of guy. But when he's him and and Melton are trying to actually put you into offense, it could get dicey. I do think on the other side of the ball, how well the Sixers knew stable of wings. You know, remember like two weeks ago when it's like, man, Sixers don't have any wings. Well, all of and a like a they, thousand bigs. Right. Right. Yeah. Six, six big men, no wings. They have their sort of wing depth sorted out now, but can they hold up against, again, what's probably one of the most, I won't say the most because you've got the Clippers, but one of the most, one of the most difficult uh, wing and perimeter matchups in the league. How well did the Sixers veteran group of wings hold up physically and athletically in this matchup? We do have another super chat from our guy, Gavin, who's here frequently, who says his internship just hashtag expired, hashtag hire me, Derek. I don't know. You can speak to this more than I could. How much hiring power do you actually have over there, Bodner? Might have to look out for our guy, Gavin, who's... Well, I I think the problem is I feel like our roster is pretty well set. Like maybe if this was a summer, there might have been more open slots. You could be sitting here next to me instead of Kyle. Who knows? I'm not saying it was a realistic option, but you know. We, we kind of have you here now. We'll talk in Q1, <laughs> yeah. Gavin. We'll see what's uh, what's what with the company at, at that point. I mean, but best of luck. Like, so Of course. I mean, much love to Gavin. Hopefully that internship turns into a big boy job. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, the other place, Derek, that my mind goes in terms of the Sixers-Celtics matchup, I'm very interested to see what the defense looks like with Boston stretching yeah. Joel out yep. for – Yep. I would yep. say basically every minute he's on the floor, right? There's now look, if Porzingis is a solo big against Joel, you and I, I'm sure, would both take our chances of Joel beating up on him in the post and kind of killing him on the other end of the floor. The problem that I could see the Sixers running into is that both Horford and Porzingis are going to drag him out to the three point line. And if that's the case, they're going to have a lot of trouble stopping Boston because the the Celtics will figure out or find the matchup that they want on the floor. I would assume a lot of those matchups will be forcing one of their wings against Tyrese Maxey or one of the smaller players that they have on the floor, letting them go to work, and then there's no help at the rim from Joel. I'm curious to see what Nick can do in terms of gaming the matchups a little bit so you can maybe get Joel hanging back at the rim and, and offering that that safety valve for guys if they get beat on the perimeter. But 
this is one area where I would say I'm pretty scared about what the Celtics did in the offseason because while I do think Joel can exploit Porzingis on the other end, he's going to have to do a lot of running around on defense. Yeah. And, and it's that has not traditionally been a recipe for success for him. And look, so far this year, Al Horford's only shooting four for 16 from three. You know this is his get-right game. He's going to somehow come in and make four out of six or four out of seven. Uh, he seems to always do it against the Sixers. And whenever that happens and you have Embiid closing out on him, he's then such a good playmaker. From the top of the key there, he can be a threat even when you don't expect him to. He will be 42 years old and somehow still bang threes against the Sixers. It's just the way it is. Um, but, I mean, Porzingis is just, he's in the exact right role. And he's shooting well from the perimeter. Uh, he's having shots created. He's not trying to do too much. Uh, he will be a tough cover. And to your point, that's, you know, 48 minutes of trying to pull and beat away from of stretch camp. bigs. Yeah. yeah. So, yep. I mean, that's also going to be a problem when Paul Reed is on the floor, right? Not that Paul Reed's strength is pure rim protection in the way that Joel's is, but if Paul's getting pulled away to Porzingis and then you tack from the weak side and guys are just attacking an open rim, there's a reason that Boston's offense has cooked for a lot of this season. So far, they finally lost first game against Minnesota on Monday night. I'm sure they're going to be looking to, avenge that I guess what I'm curious about is how much that double big lineup gets time for them because they have been tinkering with who they're running out there and when you know got different guys have been coming off the bench for them and the Horford Porzingis lineup in theory is really intriguing because you have Porzingis in that kind of roaming shop locker role that Rob Williams was in maybe not the same explosiveness but then you also get the floor spacing on the other end and you get all the offensive benefits and so I think it's worked like gangbusters for them so far this trade that they made obviously Marcus Smart not exactly lifting the Grizzlies up in Memphis but uh, I'm pretty scared of this Celtics team for the time being and I'm curious to see how much of a difference Nick Nurse can make because I do think if there's any area where I think the Sixers have an advantage it's the coaching matchup. I'm not a huge Missoula guy, I would say. I like how you very politely said that Marcus Smart is not lifting up the Grizzlies and didn't <laughs> use that as an opportunity to pat yourself on the back because they have been a train wreck and Marcus Smart has not fixed that. I still like Marcus Smart a lot, but that is a lot to overcome there in Memphis and they are not doing so. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be a, gr- a great matchup. It's just a... It's a that should be the team that the Sixers struggle against. That's that's a team that it, you look at it on paper, and outside of Embiid pressing his mismatch against Porzingis, there's just a lot where that's a bad matchup for the team. And if they can f- come out and find a way, and to your point, coaching might be the one area where they have a pretty significant advantage outside of Embiid. If you know Nick can come out and find a way to exploit them or you know l- limit the advantages that Boston has, it would go so far to just taking what is a very excited fan base into a rabid fan base. Uh, and they could really be off and running. For sure. So, and look, it's the first test that they get this year other than the Milwaukee game, which first night of the year, I, I don't think you can ever read too much into those games regardless of the opponents. And now that they've had some time to to build some chemistry, get some reps, they, they got the Harden trade out of the way. They have the roster they're going to have until likely, I mean, at least January, if not February or the rest of the year. And... It's go time, baby. First first big home game of the year. It is most definitely go time. All right, before we get here into the final segment and Kyle makes me wear ridiculous hats, a quick word from FOCO. And FOCO, none of their outfits are ridiculous. They would not have those silly little banker hats that I will be wearing here in a second because FOCO is a professional. FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and, f- and fandoms. And with it being football and tailgating season, it means that overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game, FOCO has. And FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets, which you see every day. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. All right, so Kyle has, All right, Derek. has, you know has his segment, which I'm convinced is 100% just to get me to wear these freaking hats. There you go, sir. 
stock report, our weekly stock report. It's time for a Sixer stock report. We only have, ladies and gentlemen, we, we only have one non-post game show this week, so it pretty much has to. I don't, I don't think by design we would normally do this on a Tuesday, but there is a pretty packed week with four games here on the schedule. How would you like to go about this, Kyle? Uh, I'll give you one first. Stock up or stock down on drum roll, please. Jaden Springer, and you gotta pick the sign up and make sure you identify the correct one. Let's see, can he do it? There's two signs. Uh oh. It pains me because I still think he should be in the rotation. Uh, you know, I still would like to. I, th- I think he's played actually pretty decently defensively. Like we still see the highlight reel plays defensively. He just has not been consistent enough, decisive enough. Enough. He has not been able to fill a role offensively like he was in the preseason. His stock is definitely down. I'm not ready to put it, uh, you know, I'm not ready to sell it yet. Like I'm still holding it, still a buy and hold, but right now it's definitely trending in the right direction or in the wrong direction. Yeah. I I think the biggest thing that's jumped out for me with Springer, Derek, is that the decisiveness and the confidence he showed on offense in the preseason has just evaporated. He had a couple of, of drives the other day where he just dribbled near the paint and stopped and had no idea, no game plan on what to do. And he was, just looking for a bailout and that happened way too many times in a row yeah so look it's we do this week to week so for all we know Jaden could come out against Boston tomorrow have a hell of a performance and prove us I can't say wrong because he has been playing poorly for the time being but he can send his stock back in the opposite direction but yeah I mean this is kind of the nature of trying to play a 21 year old kid who has no real extensive NBA experiences sometimes you're going to throw him in for 10 to 15 minutes and he's going to look like a deer yep. in the headlights rather than a guy who knows what he's doing out there. So I still think you see the one thing that I love from him, even as the offense struggles, Derek is the effort. I think yep. every time he steps on that floor, he's playing out of his shoes and the rebounding honestly has been really mm-hmm. impressive still. So it's been nice to see him maintain the rest of his game while the offense tries to catch up. But it does indeed need to catch up. So we'll see on that one. Yeah, and look, I will give players who buy in defensively like he does and have the potential to impact the game defensively like he does, I will probably have a longer rope than most people will. Uh, his defense still tracks for me. It's still legitimate. It's still worthwhile. But you need him to get back to where he was in the preseason. And look, we're not, I mean, maybe last night's game against the Wizards is sort of preseason-esque. But most games are going to have a, a defense that's a little more locked in decision-making has to be quicker. You can't second-guess yourself, and he has been second-guessing himself pretty much all regular season so far. All right, I'll, I guess I'll give you another one, Derek. Unless you want to, you could throw one at me if you no, like. I think, I think we should go back and forth. I okay. think that's the way to go on this one. Uh, we will give you one of the, the new guys here in Nick Batum. Oh, or, I'm sorry, Nico Batum. You want to, do you want to explain that one? The the Nico stock up for Nick Batum. Come on, the guy comes in and makes his first three threes and actually hit his first four shots. I believe the fourth one was on a a fadeaway long two, which I'm sure Daryl Morey lost some sleep over last night that he took that shot in the first place. But yeah, the Nico thing, as Derek brought up, Nick or Nico or or Nicholas, which he could go by any of those, mm-hmm. said to us after his presser against or from the game against the wizards that we could call him any of those names but i'm going with nico because otherwise we have two nicks right. and that's just too confusing for on-air speaking purposes so nico batum looked very good I, I think the thing that stood out to me and i did say on the post game show on monday night nick nurse essentially said that was all instinct for batum right. there was very little prep done for him because he'd been away from the team and he arrived at the facility and was asked by Nick, Hey, how much time do you think you need to go out there and play? And Batum looked at him and said, I'm ready to go tomorrow. I want to play as soon as I can. And I think the game intelligence showed up right away. Would try to cut toward the basket. Something's out there. Immediate relocation for a three smart movement off the ball. They then design a play for him. And the shot, the quick shot release is awesome. I think that's going to be, you know, a huge benefit to whoever he's playing with. Agreed. Agreed. He had a very good opening game. And quite frankly, he's been shooting the heck out of the ball for quite a while now. Like you expect that to continue. It's it's always been like how much does he have left 
in the tank defensively, uh, and I think he has enough to be a contributor. Uh, I think we, I mean, we both said that we expect him to eventually be in that starting spot. That Kelly's hold over it is probably temporary. Uh, Nick, not by that I mean Nurse, has also said that he probably views Kelly as more of a six-man instant offense offense type long term. Anyway, so I think we expect for that stock to continue to rise, even if he won't make every three every night. Yeah. And we have Ronald in the comments saying that Mo Bamba's stock is so far down that he wants to give him the nickname the Great Depression. I would say that Mo Bamba's stock has dropped so much that I don't think it can go down. It's just flatline at this point. Yeah. It's penny stock territory. I'm so. pretty sure we had him down on the last one and we yes. tried to avoid two in a row because that feels like we're just picking on people at that point. Uh, but his stock has definitely dropped since we did this a couple weeks ago last time but we will pick a new group this time around. So uh, I'm going to give you a tough one, Derek, and I think we'll have to talk this one out a little bit. Paul Reed, where you got him? Hold on, you gotta, we got a mess over here. Yeah, it's listen, there's there's signs everywhere. Our pets' heads are falling off. It's <laughs> it's just one of those days at PHLY. There you go. His That's- stock is down. And the way I phrase this to Kyle beforehand, you know, we, and the way I sort of phrase this on the show last night, I think there, the, the expectations for him were a little bit too high coming into the season, both in terms of the progress. Sorry about that. The <laughs> progress he would have made here. I want to make sure it was in Kyle's reach, and I kind of threw it a little too far. That's fine. The pro, I think there's too, too high of expectations on the progress he would have made here over the offseason and a little too much hope for his ability to play alongside Joel Embiid. So I think because of that, there is a, you know, a disappointment in his play. And also, I think this has just not been the greatest you know, five or six game stretch of his career. So I think because of all of that, you know, maybe a struggle's coming at the wrong time along with too high of expectations. And I think some people are pretty far down on him. I expect him to be a completely viable backup center that will probably frustrate you at times uh, throughout the course of the season because he does play that hyper aggressive style because he does make mistakes. That's part of the Paul Reed experience. It's always going to be part of the Paul Reed experience but I think he's eventually going to make enough positive plays where you live with it and you're okay with it. It's just, I'm not sold on him playing next to Embiid. I don't think I'm ever going to be sold on him and I'll give him a chance to prove me wrong, but I'm just not there. Uh, so I think, uh, I think that's led to some consternation. Yeah. Similar to, I'm going to say, here's what I learned from following the Kelly Oubre experience so far. I have my priors and what I believe about Paul Reed, a power forward, that I'm happy to be proven wrong if he comes in and those lineups work. But based on what Paul's shot has looked like and the lack of success he's had there, I'm fading the idea behind those lineups big time. We'll see. I I think the last couple of games, I think Paul has picked it up a little bit. I think he certainly looks more like the guy that won outright that backup center job toward the end of last year. But a lot of time left for him to show us what he's got. And we do have Charlie in the comments is saying, use the player's last name. Don't see the reason for calling a player by name he doesn't use. He specifically said we could call him Nico and gets announced as Nico at the arena. I am not making up a name for Nick Batum that he does not go by. It didn't seem like he has a super, like it's not going to be mad at you if you call him Nick, but it does seem like Nick Nico was sort of what he was. Yeah, it's, I specifically asked along with other reporters, what would you like to be called? Because I very much believe in calling people what they prefer to be addressed by. So that is that. But yeah, on the Paul Reed front, I just think, I don't think the power forward vision is there based on what we've seen so far. It doesn't mean that it's dead entirely, but I, I would say now that they have sort of a a stack of wings to go to now, yeah. which is not something we've been able to say basically ever in the time I've been following the Sixers, there's no real reason to give Paul minutes at the four at no, this point. I want to see more small ball. Yes. I, I don't I, I want to see forwards at the power forward spot. Yes. It's a it's in the name. All right, let's go on to the next one here. You know, DeAnthony had a good game there. 14 points, four for five from three-point range, four assists, had a real strong performance. What do you have for DeAnthony? And yet still, his stock is on the way down, Derek. DeAnthony Melton is struggling big time. And the lighting on this is, there we go, that's not good. <laughs> and that is, is that, yeah, that is going down, yeah? Okay, so... DeAnthony is someone I was super high on coming into the season. Yeah, one of my bold predictions was 
He will lead the league in steals. I don't think he's currently on pace to do that, partially because he's not on pace to get enough minutes to make a major impact on this team. I think one thing that Nick has shown is that if DeAnthony's having a tough game, he's willing to roll with other guys in that spot, hasn't shot the ball well enough to justify being just entrenched there. Now, I will say this, I do think he's going to turn it around. I think the average shot quality he has had has been very good. I think he's in a perfect spot to succeed off of the Tyrese-Joel action in the middle of the floor. Do I want him the running point basically ever? No, but that's not a criticism of him as much as it is a a roster construction problem. And so, Derek, I would imagine we're probably on the same page that DeAnthony has not been good, but I don't think we're super concerned about the ways he hasn't been good. No. And I think he's one where, like, I think some people think you can ramp him up more than you actually can. Like, I think some people think, like, if he needs to assume a bigger shot creation role or even a bigger scoring role, he's capable of doing that. And I think he's just most most comfortable as being the fourth or even at times a fifth option on the floor offensively who can make that open shot, who can attack a closeout when he needs to and who can play good defense. When you start asking more and more and more of him, he just gets outside of his comfort zone. I do agree with you. You know, he's shot quality, and it's even adjusting for the DeAnthony Melton curve on layups. His <laughs> shot quality has been pretty good. He has struggled out of the gate. I don't think that, you know, I, I think one thing that we basketball fans, basketball media, basketball analysts tend to do a lot of is we overrate and overstate early season results because it's the first thing we see in a season, in a new system. The rookie of the year is always the guy who yep. had the best first 10 games. Cove used to do this all the time where the first month he shoot 20% from three and everyone would convince themselves that he can no longer shoot. He's probably going to end up getting back to his numbers by the end of the year. I think there's some truth to that with DeAnthony as well. The only reason he wouldn't get back to his previous efficiency is if you ask him to do more and if you ask him to take tougher, more contested shots. I think with the talent that Sixers have, he will get back to where he previously was. My only concern, and you brought it up, it's not a D'Anthony concern. It's a team construction concern. They just need someone else to run the offense when Tyrese is on the bench. Lately, I think it's mostly been Joe running the offense, and that's maybe helping D'Anthony get back into a groove. I expect we will have a stock up on D'Anthony before too long. I would agree. So I'm going to give you – let's do one last one before we get out of here, Derek. I think it's an easy choice. Tobias Harris. Yeah, I mean, the dude shooting like 65% from the field. I think we can probably guess which way I'm going on this one. I was going to say, the drum, no drum roll needed on this one because I think this is one of the more obvious stock-ups that you're ever going to do. Stock through the ceiling. Oh, my God, Derek just broke his laptop with the sign. I thought for sure I could balance it on my head. Didn't work. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, like impossible to say anything bad about Tobias right now. I think he's been... Engaged defensively, I think to your point, he's shot the hell out of the ball from let me, let me every ask you, area on the floor. Why do you think he is shooting the hell out of the ball? Like, why do you think he he's having the most consistent stretch we've seen in a long time? Combination of factors, right? I think he's got the ball more, so he can get into a rhythm earlier and easier. They're being empowered and told you need to run, 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 play with pace at every opportunity, and so I think that suits Tobias, who historically has been. Pretty good transition player. Maybe not the guy you want as the all-the-time coast-to-coast type player, but uh, is a weapon in transition, playing off other guys like Joel, like Tyrese. And I don't know, man. I, I think he just feels like he's got a lot to prove in a bigger role. He's thinking about his next contract, even though he won't admit to that. He's got a lot of opportunities that have been given to him now that James is on to, I won't say greener pastures, maybe brighter pastures and under the – the lights in LA. Well, I think he's probably hoping they're greener to the tune of $200 million greener. Yeah. But all this is to say, I think you and I probably don't have a single bad word to say about Tobias over the first, you know, two weeks, week and a half, whatever it is. I mean, look, I can certainly nitpick. Like he's had three, three point attempts over the last two game combined games combined. I would love to see that go up, but when you're shooting 64% from the field, all right, I'll live with the uh, lack of three point volume. I think getting him out in early offense in transition, semi-transition, attack and unset defense, I think that helps him tremendously. I think, I think probably the worst thing for Tobias is to stand in the corner and then maybe try to create a shot in the last five seconds if they need someone to try to break down defense after everything sort of collapses. I think that is when he can be overtaxed and he can get annoying with 
his offense. Um, but when he's <laughs> able to really attack a mismatch, when you have cross matches in transition, when the defense, like I said, is rotating and scrambling, he has enough combination of shooting prowess and ability to get off the dribble uh, or attack off the dribble that I think he's just been really locked in and he's done a real good job of picking his spots. He's done a real good job of playing off people. I think cutting probably helps uh, and the overall movement helps him quite a bit. And look, I will always have the same concern with Tobias that I've had in prior years where if he goes, you know, one for 10 over a multi-game stretch from three, does he then pull the trigger when he's open the next time? That will always be my primary concern with him. Uh, But I think so far he has found so many ways to contribute that maybe he wasn't at various points last year when he was stuck in the corner. He's been tremendous pretty much every game. Like there has not been a bad Tobias game yet. All right. I think that's probably... As good a place as any to stop. I'm sorry that we didn't get to many questions today, gang, but a lot of segments planned out so that Derek and I could make sure we got through a off day right after a game. You never know how these are going to go. Yep. Uh, very excited for tomorrow night's game. As Derek and I both said earlier on the show, we are doing a giveaway, club box seats, free parking for tomorrow night. Just go to PHLY underscore Sixers. On Twitter, you can find all the information that you need for that. And as always, I want to thank everybody that's with us today. Two-minute warning, SB, Billy, Ronald, Gavin, who is done with his internship, Brian, Dan, Charlie, Elaine, John, all you guys that are with us today and every day. I appreciate you guys. So if you can hit the thumbs up button on the video on the way out, Subscribe to the channel and hit that bell icon so you can get notifications every time we go live. We will see you again tomorrow night after the game. Derek, I will talk to you soon. Sounds good. 